welcome to Easy, Easy Big Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, I can't remember if we chose fall movies or animated fall movies, but... I think it was like, this week specifically, it was like Claymation. Mm. This week we're doing Fantastic Mr. Fox. Came out in 2009. It's Ray PG. It's an hour 27 minutes. And I'll go ahead and read the plot. While raiding Burke's squab farm, Mr. Fox triggers a fox trap, catching himself along with his wife, Felicity. She reveals her pregnancy to her husband and pleads with him to find a safer job if they escape, and he agrees. Two human years and 12 fox years later, the foxes and their son, Ash, are living in a hole. Mr. Fox, now a newspaper columnist, moves the family to a better home inside a tree, ignoring the warnings of his lawyer, Clive Badger, about how dangerous the area is for foxes due to its proximity proxi, proximity, proximity to facilities run by three farmers. You had it the first time. <laughs> Uh, run by three farmers, Walt Boggus, Nate Bunce, and Frank Bean. Soon after the foxes move in, Felicity's nephew, Christopherson Silver Fox, comes to live with them due to his father receiving long-term medical treatment for double, you know, ammonia. Pneumonia. 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 Say it again. <laughs> Say it one more time. Pneumonia. Pneumonia. Why are you putting a Y at the front? <laughs> I'm I'm saying it. No, you're not. Well, I had pneumonia. There, it's just just going to. (laughs) Anyway. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Fox welcome him, Ash finds the situation intolerable. As his soft-spoken cousin is superior to him, almost everything, and is charming everyone at his expense. Longing for his days as a thief, Mr. Fox and his opossum friend, Kylie, the superintendent, steal produce and poultry from all three farms. They take Christopherson along on the raids, which deepens Ash's resentments. Mr. Fox conceals these outings with Felicity, who becomes suspicious when unexplained food appears in their larder. Angered by the raids, the farmers decide to kill Mr. Fox. They camp out near his home, and when Mr. Fox emerges, they open fire, but only shoot off his tail. After demolishing the side of the tree while attempting to dig Mr. Fox out, they discover the foxes have dug an escape tunnel. As the foxes will have to service for food and water, the farmers wait at the tunnel mouth. Underground, Felicity is upset that Mr. Fox returned to his saving ways. The group encounters Badger and many other local animal residents whose homes the farmers have also destroyed. As the animals begin fearing starvation, Mr. Fox calls them together and leads them on a digging expedition to tunnel to the three farms, stealing all their prized goods. While the animals feast, Ash and Christopherson begin to reconcile after Christopherson defends Ash from Beaver's son. The cousins slip away from the celebration and return to Bean's farm, intending to reclaim the missing tail, but Bean's wife captures Christopherson. Discovering that Mr. Fox has stolen their goods, the farmers and the fire chief flood the animal's tunnel network with some of Bean's cider, forcing the animals to retreat to the sewers. Realizing that the farmers plan to use Christopherson to lure him into an ambush, Mr. Fox heads to the service to surrender, but returns when Rat... Bean's violent security guard confronts the animals and attacks Ash and Felicity. A fight between Mr. Fox and the rat results in the latter being pushed into a generator and electrocuting him. Before dying, Rat reveals that Christopherson is being held in an attic on Bean's farm, prompting Mr. Fox to organize a rescue mission. Mr. Fox asks the farmer for a meeting in, in town near the sewer hub, offering to surrender himself on the condition that the farmers free Christopherson and spare the other animals. The farmers prepare an ambush, but the animals, anticipating it, launch a counterattack that allows Mr. Fox, Ash, and Kylie to enter Bean's farm undetected. Ash frees Christopherson and impresses his father and the group by braving an enemy 
be fired to release a rabid beagle to keep the farmers at bay. The animal snatches the fox tail from Mr. Bean and rips it apart. Christopherson picks up the torn tail as the group escapes back to the sewers. As the farmers wait for the animals to come out of the hole, the farmers settle into their new homes in the sewers, inviting any other animals to join them. Soon after, Fox, sporting the tail as a clip-on, raids a supermarket owned by the farmers, where Felicity reveals her upcoming pregnancy as the animals dance in the aisle, celebrating their abundant new food source. So as the plot, we have our director, Wes Anderson, which I'm pretty sure is our first Wes Anderson one to do. Mm-hmm. Writers are Roald Dahl, who wrote the book, also who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Matilda. And Matilda. Wes Anderson, who has made multiple movies. <laughs> Hopefully, no. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. He has made multiple movies. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have the time to list all of them. Go look them up. I think most people know at least two. If they don't, go look it up. <laughs> Writers, and then we have Noah Baumbach. Who wrote Marriage Story. Or not, uh, whatever the, every day I wake up. <laughs> and I think he used to, if not still, I don't think he's still together with Greta Gerwig, but I think he used to be dating or married to Greta Gerwig and they did um, Francis Ha together. Really? Oh, they're still together. They've been together since 2011. Oh, good for them. Cast. George Clooney plays Mr. Fox. Meryl Streep plays Mrs. Fox. Jason Schwartzman plays Ash. King. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Murray plays Badger. Wallace Waldarski plays Kylie. Eric Chase Anderson plays Christopherson. Michael Gambon plays Franklin Bean. William Defoe plays the rat. <laughs> He's just called Rat. He's the perfect person to voice a rat. He is, with a southern accent, by the way, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. And doing West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> Liquid gold. I love that. <laughs> I say that line all the time. <laughs> Owen Wilson plays Coach Skip. Jarvis Cocker plays Petey. And Wes Anderson plays Weasel, which I don't even remember what he says, but it's a full it's a full cast in this one. Yeah. Well, I think a, a lot of them are people that usually work with Wes mm-hmm. Anderson, too. Definitely. I didn't I love Meryl Streep. I'm glad she's in there. She's she is great. I think Mike I yeah, that's fucking Dumbledore is who voices Bean. That makes sense. I was like listening to it and I was like, that's Albus Dumbledore. The first one, right? Mm-hmm. I got some trivia. <laughs> it's kinda dark. The original story was written. I mean, every I... fact I learn about Roald Dahl is dark and upsetting. It's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The original story was written at a dark time in Roald Dahl's life. He had already lost one of his five children to measles and witnessed another one suffer from water on the brain as a result of a car accident. It was only natural that he would be spurred on to write a tale, portraying the father as a protector of the family. Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox was the first book writer, producer, and director Wes Anderson owned. His mother, Texas Ann Burroughs, bought it for him. His mother's name is Texas? His mother's name's... What a hell of a name. To be to be from there too, like from Austin, Texas, named Texas. She probably went by Anne. I'm assuming I would too. But like, damn, her first name's Texas. That's funny. <laughs> I th- yeah, I I would not name a child that. That's funny. <laughs> Big Tex. Big Tex. <laughs> But she bought it for him at the St. Francis Book Fair in Austin, Texas, when he was about seven years old. Anderson has kept the same copy on his bookshelf ever since, which I thought was really sweet. This is why I wish I read as a child. Because I'd have, like, you know, like, old books from my childhood kind right. of thing, you know? But no, I, all I have is All of I Love You and a Cinder. It's like this dog book called Ruffarella. Aw, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
During one of the outdoor dialogue recording sessions, a best take was almost ruined by the sound of a nearby boat. Open to the randomness, writer, producer, and director Wes Anderson modified the scene in the movie to include an airplane flying through the shot. Anderson said, I think it was better with the airplane than without. A flaw in the recording gave us a new idea. Improvise, baby, improvise. Improvise, exactly. I mean, I, I like that more than being like, well, we gotta start over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think I know what they're talking about because like I do remember there's like a little random little airplane, but it's not like so out of the place. It just adds to the quirkiness, you know? Yeah. Altogether, 535 puppets were made for the movie. Mr. Fox had 17 different styles alone, and each of Mr. Fox's styles had to be done in six different sizes. He has 102 puppets alone. Just just the amount of... The amount of work that goes into claymation, yeah. I do not have the patience for. You could tell me any number and I'd be like, Jesus Christ. I'd be like, that's a lot. More than one? Damn. <laughs> they made two? Oh my god. <laughs> it's like Coraline had like 50 different face, just face plates or something, or like 300 face plates for just her character. Exactly. That's a lot of work. He only had like, what did I say? Like uh, 17, he only had like 17 different, yeah, it's just like, that's that's just so much. 17, like hundreds, oh my god. Writer, producer, and director Wes Anderson chose to have the actors and actresses record their dialogue outside of a studio and on location to increase the naturalness. We went out in the forest, went in an attic, went in a stable, we went underground for some things. There was a great spontaneity in the recordings because of that. And like, there's footage of them oh, on his so farm. Oh, it's so funny to watch. It's, it's so, so fantastic. But I understand the comparisons, because uh, let me be vulnerable for a second. Mm -hmm. I've never seen this movie in full. I've heard, I've seen clips. I've never watched it all the way. Way in, uh, sitting this is mm -hmm. one of those movies where you're like oh i love this movie and i'm like yeah and i haven't seen it <laughs> yeah you know we, we talk about that mm -hmm. that we have those movies where both of, one of us just went mm-hmm mm -hmm. i do too <laughs> i'm sure you're correct yes <laughs> and i never it's one of those things until we made the podcast i thought i'd never get exposed for it until you're like hey we should watch that movie we both like and i'm like Yes. <laughs> that, remind me what that's about. Remember that one? I don't remember that one. <laughs> but I'm understanding the comparisons to Rango a little bit more. Mm, yeah. Like there's a lot of similar techniques mm -hmm. being used. The plots are different. I think the vibes are different. Definitely. I still think it's a little bit of a stretch, but like they did the exact same thing. Not the exact same thing, but they had the actors recording their dialogue while they're acting it out. Mm -hmm. I think it just lends to great performances and it obviously worked with both really well, but I, I'm getting it. I'm getting where, where people were coming from a little bit more. Yeah. And in my opinion, like when they do it, when they act it out and not just in a studio constrained, you know, into a booth, mm -hmm. I always like it more because like Rango, I would watch the live action version of whatever they did for Rango. I would watch that alone. It's the same with this movie. I've seen exactly. so many of the like clips of fucking like all of the actors it's so goofy but it like is as goofy as the movie itself exactly when mr fox and kylie are in fox's study going over the plans for their first heist fox is sitting in a large armchair with a board on the armrest that he is using as a table for his microphone this is exactly how roald Dahl used to write his stories based on old photographs hmm. so i thought it was a little interesting that's cool Mm -hmm. The color scheme of this movie is primarily autumnal, autumn, yellows, oranges, and browns with virtually no green and blue. However, Christofferson's blue color wardrobe was intentional as it emphasized his being as a visiting outsider. That makes sense. Which I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CGI was only used in one scene, the flooding of the uh, Flint mine. I noticed. 
Yeah, you can kind of notice, but that... Well, actually, that's coming up in a second. Hold on. Throughout this movie, the word cuss is used in a place of actual cussing. When asked about its origin in a radio interview on Fresh Air with Terry, Terry Gross, Wes Anderson said, I don't even remember. I think it was just to use the concept of profanity as a replacement for profanity itself. It turned out to be very versatile. In keeping with this theme, one of the building scenes in this movie bears cuss ran as spray-painted graffiti. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. To me, it just seemed like... Let's just do this so it can be PG and more people can watch it. It's kind of funny though, and after a while, yeah. like they say it so many times, it's it's like you know, I get it. It's like a little joke. And you know, I like it that it's done in such a way that like you know exactly what mm-hmm. word was supposed to be there, and not like a this. It could be a handful of words. It's yeah, like, yeah. With the cuss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if he wrote it with the curse words, and then an editor went in and went cuss, 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 cuss. Where, yeah. where. So it flows like did. a natural script. Yeah. It doesn't seem so out of place after a little bit. You're like, I, I just filled the blanks in my head. Mm-hmm. I feel like with that, you could tell like a child, like you can't curse, but you can say cuss. Yeah. So if you want to cuss, say cuss. Yeah. That's kind of like, funny. I could imagine a bunch of little kids running around saying cuss instead of... Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was little, I thought that Spanish numbers were curse words. <laughs> so... If the parents are like, yeah, you think that, that's fine. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I would like yell Cinco when I was angry. <laughs> Sorry, I needed a second for that one. <laughs> Do you know how fucking funny... Parents just must have just those moments where they're like, that's fucking funny. That's, you have no yeah. fucking clue what you're saying. And you think you're saying something, but you're not. My family says I was crazy as a child. Ooh. I gave them so many stories to tell. <laughs> I kept the fa- I kept the house entertained. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny. Writer, producer, and director Wes Anderson wanted to use a real animal hair for all the animal puppets, even though it meant that the hair would appear to ripple unnaturally in this movie due to the puppeteers handling models between frames. This rippling was apparently intentional. That seems a little passive aggressive. <laughs> well, it is Appar- one th- Apparently he meant to do it. <laughs> it is one of those things where it is very noticeable in this movie. Yeah. But it was with intention. It's not like they didn't notice it. It's like he did want to use that hair. And yeah. It- intentional how? Like, yeah, we know it's there. <laughs> yeah. Because I... Get used to it. <laughs> I think I think when when they say apparently it's intentional, they mean like they planned for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to have some like like. But they, I think it's just like they think they realize it's going to be an issue, so they didn't worry about it. They were like, I don't care. <laughs> they just they just let it happen. Like they didn't care. Get used to it. <laughs> I don't think intentional is necessarily the right word. I think they just didn't care. Yes. Yeah. But it's also one of those things too, where it's like, yes, we know the fur ripples, so you can't talk bad about it. That can't be a critique because we meant to. <laughs> it it just gives. It, this is not a slight, but it gives the energy of um, M Night Shyamalan coming out after the happening and going. It was supposed to be a B movie. <laughs> Yes, it does a little bit. It does. I don't mind it. No, I don't think it's an issue. I just don't know if intentional is necessarily the right word. Exactly. But there are people who like love to throw that out there. Like, oh, I hate how it's animated. I hate the fur ripples. It's like, well, it's intentional. (laughs) You're the only one that cares. Exactly. Exactly. But that person seemed like one of those people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently it's intentional. (laughs) I get that. There's an eye roll at the end of it. Yes, the yeah. eye roll emoji. <laughs> For the moving water, writer, producer, and director, they keep doing that. Just say Western and Sam. We know. Yeah. 
You could just say it. I could just say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the moving water, Wes Anderson used saran wrap and for the smoke cotton balls. So like in that beautiful scene where he's just standing there in the sewer, mm-hmm. it's that running water. That's just saran wrap, which is beautiful. I do love that scene. And it is crazy that the, that's just saran yeah. wrap. I like practical stuff like that. Yeah, it's really amazing. And, the and I balls, think it's... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think that's like at the heart of claymation too, is like using stuff like that to, to make those effects because that scale you can't you can't just put water yeah it's gonna look weird yeah ash's ear twitching was based on a gesture most most foxes and domestic canines do to show aggression or displeasure so it makes sense no that's cool yeah it's another little detail thing Mm -hmm. which i love shot digitally using a nikon d3 which offers a significantly higher resolution than even that of a full high definition it was also shot at a frame rate of 12 frames per second rather than more fluid 24 so that viewers would notice the medium of stop motion itself so i guess it's a little bit more choppier than yeah that's yeah which is like kind of a like not a great way to describe it but like i mean that's what that does though like it it, it just makes it choppy because like the you put a camera at 24 frames per second because that's how the human eye it's the closest to what the human eye picks up with movement so like yeah when you do less it's gonna be a little bit yeah but i i don't know i don't know how i feel about that because mm-hmm. like you're already doing stop motion why do you need to make it even more stop motiony <laughs> yeah were you not doing that much is that what is this less work i don't know i don't know either just this seems like another apparently it was intentional thing <laughs> apparently <you know? laughs> it's like oh well we accidentally started on 12 frames so now we gotta keep going <laughs> Can't fix it now. We've already spent like thousands of dollars. We gotta keep going. Too fucking late. (laughs) A lot of excuses. A lot of backtracking. A lot of like, that was intentional. So I don't want to hear it. (laughs) No, we know it happened. We know. (laughs) Shut up. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) Go to your room. I don't want to hear it in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It took seven months to perfect the first fan, first Mr. Fox puppet, which is like, that's a long time, but it's mm-hmm. claymation. It's going to be a long time regardless, so. Yeah. And there's a lot of like detail and making it not look too scary looking. Yeah. <laughs> Even which, though they're like uncanny valley. Looking, it is uncanny, but, like, uncanny valley. And people do talk about that later. I still have <laughs> strong opinions about people who think. That. See, I just imagine the entire time watching it, that meme of the like fox puppet. Thing, the like taxidermy box oh. that's like <laughs> sitting on the you, sh- you should post that <laughs> you should use that picture I, I think they think there's literally a meme that, that it's that picture but it has like the the, the title box. has the po- all this the the text from the poster <laughs> we should use that one <laughs> i'll do that yeah because it does look like that and it is real animal hair so it's like it's not that far from the truth it's just taxidermy pretty much it pretty much is the look of this movie was inspired by great missenden a village in buckinghamshire england where roald Dahl lived and worked the tree they have a monopoly on all the letters or something do they have to use all of them in every word the for lo- things that's the longest fucking town name i've ever seen they say we're rude yeah <laughs> 
The tree where the Fox Island lives is based on the on a prominent beech tree on Doll's property, and Mr. Fox Fox's study recreates in minute detail the interior of the famous garden hut in which Doll did most of his writing. So I thought it was cool. It's like, it's a lot of homage to him, I guess. That just like having like a game like <laughs> like a, a writing hut mm-hmm. just seems like the modern day version of like having like a gamer den. <laughs> yes. Daddy's gonna go to his writing hut. Nobody bother him. It's like seven you hours later. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Fuck. It's like, what is he writing about? It's children's books, apparently. <laughs> He's just playing Call of Duty in there. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> so, that was all my trivia. So let's get down to personal opinions. So this was your first time watching the movie? Yeah. What did you think? Every time I watch a Wes Anderson movie, and this is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm because like it's enjoyable but like i just you know you you recognize immediately that it's like it's a wes anderson movie you exactly. miss the title cards you you know it's a wes anderson movie yeah because he he is very strict to the structure that he he shoots in and yeah like i think it's really cool that he's able to translate that into like other mediums of filmmaking too and so that's the thing that stuck out to me most i was just like i have seen this this like shot composure before like i've seen it in other things it kind of reminded me a lot more of have you ever seen his like first movie bottle rocket Mm -hmm. i love bottle rocket me too Mm -hmm. it it reminds me a lot more of like that era like his like earlier era like less like the like grand budapest and Mm. those kinds it it seems a lot his style isn't as heavy-handed as it is now or in his later films and it's a little more like goofy it is goofy yeah bottle rocket i mean half the goofiness is just the um it's just what's his face owen wilson yeah, it's just owen wilson and luke wilson being goofy yeah but like it, the, also the plot of it it just kind of has more of similarity to bottle rocket in my head than his other movies i mean people are always up to hijinks in all of his movies but yeah you know i just kept thinking about bottle rocket mm-hmm I don't think Mr. Fox is a great dad. <laughs> no, I don't think he is either. I don't think you're supposed to walk away thinking he is necessarily. No, I, I don't think he's a great husband or a great dad. Yeah. A great protector. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how the book is, but. Yeah, I never read the book, so I don't know. But um, George, uh, George Clooney plays a lot of <laughs> questionable father Shitty figures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize Meryl Streep was in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was her. I loved the soundtrack. Mm. I heard some Beach Boys in there. You love the Beach Boys. I do love the Beach Boys. It's the whitest thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> you and Austin both. That's so funny. Again, another thing y'all really like. Yeah. No, I think like the, the music vibe always fits really well. I always love the soundtracks that are in all Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. And also like the score. It's Alexander Duplass. He also did shape of waters score and like he also has a very like structured way that he does scores and i could like hear little things that he did with like the shape of water soundtrack mm-hmm. and i mean score in this one and also like he does other um wes anderson movies yeah not even i mean we make sure it's him <laughs> if not he ripped somebody off <laughs> i'm pretty sure it is him but the music was great. I loved all of the music in this movie. It's hard to not enjoy the visuals in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, this one, not to not to bring Rango into this because I know we went so hard against this point when we did Rango, <laughs> and I hadn't even fucking seen this movie, and I was just you were like, no, I was lying the whole time. <laughs> I was lying. Yes, it is Alexander Dupla. <laughs> 
but it has a similar like uncanny valley kind of ew mm-hmm. thing going on. <laughs> ew. Just like it's not nearly as grotesque as oh, Rango. No, Rango's so grotesque, but in a way where it's still beautiful in its own way. Yeah, mm-hmm. the characters are just bad taxidermy, but there's a style to it. There's there's a yeah. there's a thing to love about it, you know. Yeah, they all look like bad taxidermy. There is a style. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I <laughs> um, if I watched this as a child, I think it would have terrified me. So many people said that. So many people said that. It's scary looking. <laughs> I just think of that little fox meme of it like sitting on the chair. <laughs> so <laughs> I also like realize that TikTok's fucking obsessed with this movie too, because mm-hmm. the I like your spots. Thanks, yes. I used to cover them up. That's that was a TikTok audio for a while. Yep. There's like a f- like five different and they're all back to back five different tiktok audios that were popular from this movie there's one now that's going on i sent you a few where it's him going i don't want to live in a hole anymore (laughs) yeah i knew that sounded familiar Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's a there's a few in there that are tiktok so i've Mm -hmm. seen that's where i've seen mostly seen clips from this movie Mm. i think i've seen more of before this seen more Mm -hmm. the actors outside (laughs) acting it out than i have the actual movie (laughs) it's a little the energy's up in this movie yeah up it is up and it is going there's shit going on that was a lot mm-hmm. to take in. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about it other than like it is very, very stylized. It's very much its own thing. It was enjoyable. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. It's just like it's, they're going. That When they start, they're going. Yeah. <laughs> I also haven't watched a Wes Anderson movie in a long time. It's a little jolting. <laughs> yeah. It, you, have, you have to get immersed into it very fast. But you liked it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, everything about it is great mm-hmm. and done well, I saw I Love Dogs before I saw this one. Oh, dang, yeah. We saw that in theaters, yeah. We did. I liked this a lot more. And I understand why people, with specifically critiquing I Love Dogs, they were like, this didn't give the same feeling as, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I understand that now. I think that this is a much better animated work. Yeah, I get that. But what what are your thoughts on it? You ever, like, know a movie, but you don't remember when you first watched it? It's just always been, like, in your catalog of movies? No. <laughs> really i remember like my first time watching most movies i do not there's so many movies where i'm like this is just always this has always existed in my mind <laughs> i think like anything before the age of eight i i don't remember when mm-hmm. i watched it the first time but anything after that i think i i remember you know it's funny there's specific movies i remember watching the first time especially when i was really little but there's so many movies in between really little to now i just don't know yeah a lot of for movies for the first time but like there's somewhere i'm like i could not tell you yeah i think it hinges on like whether or not you liked it like if you didn't like a movie you're gonna remember when you watched it oh that's true yeah i love this movie mm-hmm. i don't remember the first time i watched it i think because i think when you like a movie you're gonna watch it more and more so you're not gonna it probably just blends together in my head yeah this for me is like a this is a comfort movie a fall comfort movie did you watch it in theaters no i didn't see it in theaters probably just watched it on the family computer late one night. Movies.com. <laughs> P- yeah, one, two, three movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kidding. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> oh, we would never. But I remember watching it. Uh, probably just on the family computer, honestly. And I just really, really liked it. Yeah. Probably in middle school. It seems like the time period to yeah. get into it. Yeah. Uh, always been a comfort f- comfort fall movie because it's so such a, it's the orangest movie out there. It's very fall. Very quirky. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of fall like cartoon movies mm-hmm. have like a melancholy feel to them. Yeah, because it's fall. You know, everything's dying. Everything it's getting colder. This one's like we're going, we're going, we're going. A lot of shit's going on. Yeah, <laughs> no time to feel sad. No time to feel sad. Got got to live. Got to keep. You got to survive. Got to steal. Got to steal. Got to dig. <laughs> <laughs> Always love the style. I will say I'm an. I wouldn't say obnoxious Wes Anderson fan, but. I, I, I do like a lot of his movies. I think you're a reformed obnoxious one because we both... <laughs> probably reformed, yeah, probably. Yeah. But we're reformed hipsters. We're reformed hipsters. We are. It, it pops up every now and then for me at least, but I, I, you know... We're working on it. We're working on it. I don't... Yeah. When someone says I don't like Wes Anderson, I don't go, ugh, you know, immediately. Maybe in my head, but (laughs) I understand there's some valid critique to him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, not everyone likes everything, you know, but um, no, I I like Wes Anderson movies. Uh, To me, this is probably up there in my favorites. Yeah, I I understand how you would cross over from like Coen Brothers to Wes Anderson. It seems like a natural next step. Yes, but they're very, especially when I was growing up around that time when I was Mm -hmm. watching Coen Brothers movies and Wes Anderson movies at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they're very entwined Mm -hmm. or similar it's actually a thought that crossed my mind earlier Mm -hmm. with like the the coen brothers also have like a whenever they're filming like there's a structure to everything they do they have a very specific vision for everything Mm -hmm. wes anderson's a little different because he's fine with people going off script and like improvising things unlike the coen brothers definitely but like his the visuals for him are structure to a t they have a similar thing going on the comedic styles are similar Mm -hmm. i mean i also grew up with colored brothers movies so it's like it makes sense like it's 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 just quirky they're the same kind of movies you know made by different people just yeah i like this movie i don't have a million reasons why i just do this movie looks great i love i think all the performances are amazing i like how it looks i know it (laughs) i know the description is ew I don't it's look grotesque. Like I wouldn't go as far as grotesque. I would. And that's you. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying like it's... It's like Rango in its own way. Like that movie is like... It's grody looking, but it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so gross. Own... It's beautiful. Exactly, like, it's, it's its own beauty. Yeah. I get it. I get why you like it. Yeah, yeah. You, I, that's probably where I'm going for too. Is like, yeah, I don't know. You ever make something so ugly? You're like, that's such its own unique style. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's kind of doodle. You know, yeah exactly i'm like i love this you don't look like anything (laughs) you don't look like anything and i love you (laughs) (laughs) that's that's art you know that's art yeah would you say that this is a movie that made you more interested in animation as a whole absolutely claymation i always knew there was a distinction of and i always kind of knew i did not have the patience for claymation Mm -mm. They, they some critics below mention the movies they at that time West had done and like why they think it's better or like oh I, it's similar to this one this one I'm gonna talk about the ones they mentioned oh, just a little bit okay I'm gonna go ahead and move on to critics Richard Propes wrote a review about Fantastic Mr. Fox and I forgot what he gave he gave it like a three and a half out of four so he liked it so he wrote who would have thought it would be Wes Anderson offering up Pixar's main competition for the 2010 Oscar award for best animated fi- feature while Pixar's Up was may arguably be the stronger of the two films, Anderson's animated debut was a wondrously awesome and original visual feast, featuring the year's best animated vocal work, but none other than the likes of George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, and the host of others. 
While Pixar's Up! has as its main selling points the pristine clarity of its animation and the studio's innate ability to blend intelligent storylines into films that appeal to adults and children, Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox takes a decidedly more psychedelic, quirky approach to the animation that is so faithful to a, to a Wes Anderson world, especially his last collaboration with co-writer Kapanbach, The Life of Aquatic with Steve Zuzu, that it's easy at times to forget that one is watching an animated film despite the presence of talking foxes, a smarmy rat, a goofy opossum, and so much more. In fact, this world is so thoroughly a Wes Anderson world that the only question becomes why it took so long for Wes Anderson to create such a film. It's not the clarity of the animation in Fantastic Mr. Fox that is so impressive, but how magnificently Anderson creates memorable imagery full of life, personality, humor, and heart. Uh, Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox is a multi-layered animation stunner with characters who look and act like such purity of heart and intellect that one wants to revisit them long after the closing credits have rolled. True to his usual style of filmmaking and storytelling, and perhaps the dismay of doll purists, Anderson adds a bit of an existential twist onto the story, and, as well, brings vividly to life the story of the rather dysfunctional Fox family, especially Mr. Fox's inability to connect with his son, especially when Ash's cousin, Christopherson, arrives on the scene in all his athletic splendor. Where Pixar may have the upper hand in terms of animation technique, this 20th century Fox release may very well transcend up with Anderson's ability to intertwine visionary technique with memorable vocal performances that far exceed those present in the Pixar release. Seldom in animated features do you leave the theater going, wow, what performances? But such is true in Fantastic Mr. Fox. George Clooney, perhaps creating an animated version of Danny Ocean, is marvelously sly and sincere, layered and sympathetic. Likewise, in a year in which an Oscar nomination is assured for Streep with her Julie and Julia performance, the greatest living actress far outperforms with her mere vocals what most actresses can achieve with a full range of live action performing. Strong vocal work as well is offered by the rest of the ensemble, with special notice going to Wal Waldarski's Kylie, Eric Anderson's Christopherson, Jason Schwartzman's Ash, and Jarvis Cocker's strangely delightful Petey. Absurd and awesome, wonderfully visionary, and uniquely felt, Fantastic Mr. Fox is easily one of 2009's best animated feature films, and if justice is served, a likely nominee throughout award season. Twisted reality and animated fantasy blended to near perfection. Fantastic Mr. Fox is indeed fantastic. That's similar to when he says it's the world is so thoroughly thoroughly Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. It's like what I mean. Like it's like that. This is this is his structure mm -hmm. through and through. Until more recently, I don't know if he was not capable. I feel like that sounds mean, but like I think it was impossible for him to like not make a movie exactly like his structure. Exactly, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with George Clooney like creating his own Danny Ocean. There's so many people, not just Richard, who said like, "Oh, this is just Ocean." Elevens, but with taxidermy boxes <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of is it if it, it, it's scheming it's high stink you know yeah yeah i've seen life aquatic this is often one if you don't like a wes aronson movie it's usually this one i didn't mind it i don't it's one that doesn't doesn't get talked about as much i feel i feel like anytime i do hear about it though it's how much people don't like it yeah i can't really definitively say mm. if i do or not but like, i don't mind it i do have yeah. one where i don't like it which just does that, does that get mentioned or did you it, it gets mentioned a little bit later in the ones but i'm interested to learn which one that is yeah but yeah i think richard nails it on the head with this one yeah i don't think that it transcended up by any means i think that like that that universally loved story yeah and movie but like just the amount of effort 
that's put in, I feel like, just deserves a little bit more consideration. Just a little bit more. But also, like, the differences with the voice acting, that's going to happen because Up is specifically going to be targeted to a child audience. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that Fantastic Mr. Fox is necessarily strictly Mm -hmm. for that. Like, it, sure, it's rated PG. Yeah. But it's not really a kid's movie, per se. It's really, I don't think Wes's first concern was like, oh, I want to make this child friendly. It, yeah. it was more like, hey, you can't cuss. There can't be anything too inappropriate. But like, I don't think Wes Anderson's first, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think his, yeah. He, he took something from a childhood book that he loved. You know, like, I know what you're, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it, it when you think the animation category, I think a lot of times it sways towards a, ch- a children's movie. Automatically almost. And it's just like, no, it doesn't always have to be. Yeah. Up's great. I love Up. I'm not gonna, not gonna say that Up didn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. Make the whole world cry. Exactly. Exactly. The short, the satisfying minutes you ever watch in a movie. Okay, they had everyone sobbing the first 10 minutes. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Well, I saw somebody posted from like the, there's like a series of shorts that's like Doug's Adventures or something. And it's like him and um, the old Carl. Mm -hmm. And apparently those are the last lines that that actor had ever recorded. And I was like, how did you, you're still managing to make me fucking ball my eyes out. It's a TikTok sound where he goes, like Doug goes, he calls him Papa, by the way, in those little shorts, which makes my heart melt. Yeah, that's the one that made me cry. Papa, am I just a pet? And he tells him how much he loves him and all the stuff he does for him. He goes, you're just my best friend. And it plays the Up thing song in it. It's just like, could you kill me? (laughs) Could you kill me? Because I can't take this anymore. (laughs) I can't believe you would do this to me. I can't believe you would do this to us. I'm just trying to giggle at videos. Every time I hear that, I start bawling. I'm like, how did they do it twice? How did they do it twice to us? Mm-hmm. How? How did they get us? And they did it, though. <sighs> Calls him Papa. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so sweet. Damn you, Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's transcending Mr. Fox as we're trying to talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it deserved it. It deserved it. It deserved it. But I know what you mean by, like, but claymation just deserves so much recognition, you know? It's like, give it its own category at that point, like... Honestly, yeah. I don't have any more to say about... Re- I mean, he, I think everything he said, I agree with. Yeah, he 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 described, like, the, the essence of it pretty well. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna move on to a negative one. This is by Daniel M. Kim, written back in 2009. And he wrote this, by the way, before I start, just so you know. This reviewer has a confession. <laughs> he likes the genetic... <laughs> He's such an asshole. <laughs> he likes the genetic component that so many of his colleagues have that causes him to praise the vacuous, pretentious, and annoying films of Wes Anderson, where they swoon over Rushmore, the Royal Tenant Bombs, and the Jarjeeling Limited. I haven't seen Rushmore. <laughs> I haven't seen Rushmore either, but from I'll talk about it after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This reviewer sees only empty posturing by characters who chief attributes is that that they are members of dysfunctional families. Now Anderson has inflicted himself on the animated film and the swooning has begun anew. It doesn't make Fantastic Mr. Fox any better. Hey. <laughs> hey. When when you watch you watch a movie about a fu- have you ever seen a good movie about a functional family that isn't a fucking TV sitcom? Okay, like No kidding. That doesn't work here. Some of us have trauma, okay? <laughs> 
We're trying to be relatable here. <laughs> also, it like normalizes if somebody like grew up with like a dysfunctional family. They're like, hey, you're not the only person who grew up like this. I yeah, know exactly. it feels like it, but like you're not. And dysfunctional doesn't automatically doesn't mean, mean bad. It doesn't mean automatically bad. Like there's hardly any families out there that has doesn't have some kind of dysfunction in it. You know, yeah, no family is normal. Yeah, and if they are, are they? You know, they're Mormon. <laughs> keep that in and, and then and they're not normal and so. they're not normal <laughs> but yeah I, th I don't think that's a fair criticism the film is frustrating in several ways first anderson has chosen to do this in stop motion animation which means there were means there were models of this various characters which had to be moved a bit at a time as they were filmed frame by frame why are you explaining what stop motion is to us anyone who could he had to google it i feel like this is his first stop motion movie he was like what is this how was this film webster's dictionary defines animation as i was to say like i thought that was weird i was like why are you defining what that is we all know what that is i can read i know i know what that is anybody reading your review i think no know, knows what stop motion animation is and yeah. if they don't they'll go look it up yeah it's a painstaking process which anderson apparently felt he could short circuit by offering many short many shots that are simply close-ups of the characters therein lies the problem eh. hey you know i mean i'm not gonna say that this film didn't take some shortcuts like <laughs> shooting in 12 fps instead of 24 that might be i might have something there maybe hey hey maybe the t maybe it doesn't have to take 10 years yeah exactly Wes Anderson thought hmm what if we fast process this yeah what if we made the process a little easier on everybody and in a way you know i thought that was successful you know it's just different it's just different you know hi editing cat here so 24 fps is used for very fast or very slow motion in stop motion animation and 12 fps is used for basically every movement in between those two speeds just wanted to clarify that okay bye back to the show and i respect not giving a shit if it looks like you could see the fur moving <laughs> like <laughs> you know that would be a lot longer and more expensive. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> He's efficient and you shut your mouth. That's, that's what I was trying to point out too. Is like, or at least what I think they were trying to point out. is like, we know what you're going to say. Yeah. You make it. Yeah, you make it. You make <laughs> it. You pay for it. You make not the move for a move. You you make it in 24 <laughs> FP. You do that. <laughs> I think how long it takes you. <laughs> I think we've been watching too much Broski Report. Because <laughs> we're starting to talk about her. Oh my god. <laughs> Love her. Love, Love her to her. death. Love her to death. <laughs> Our leader. <laughs> Shout out Brittany Broski. Texas Queen. Bro we love her. We love her. Way to keep going. These furry. I thought you said way to keep going. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep going. Wait, you go, girl. <laughs> I just love this sentence. These are furry creatures. <laughs> Every time they are ever so, so slightly adjusted, the adjuster can't help but touch the fur. What we are seeing is the fur moving, signaling of its own free will. This proves to be very distracting. Apparently, if you have, have the Wes Anderson fandom gene, you don't notice this or else you come, you come not to care. You go, it was intentional. It was totally intentional. It was intentional and I don't care. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. They didn't care. <laughs> exactly. And they told you that. So you can't talk about it. <laughs> they know. It was supposed to be a B movie. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. They know. So you can't talk about it. You can't critique it because we already know anyway. 
<laughs> it symbolizes how Mr. Fox is living in a fabricated version of the of, of reality, and it feels as though that he is not the one moving himself, but something bigger is moving him. Yeah. No. No. This movie really isn't. isn't stupid. You're stupid anyway. <laughs> No, they didn't. They just didn't give a shit. <laughs> they didn't give a shit. Therefore, you can't complain about it. That's my they point. Didn't, they didn't want to take 30 years to make this movie. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to fast track stuff. So everyone, every nonsense. <laughs> Everybody gets mad at the guy who takes shortcuts until they have they have a shortcut presented to them. Okay? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it almost won an Oscar. It can't be that bad. <laughs> it didn't, though. It almost did. It got nominated. It's pretty good. Anyway, second, while we expected weirdness and even scariness from Doll, whose children's books include Charlie and Chocolate Factory, The Witches, and Matilda, showing Mr. Fox with a dead chick in his jaws is a bit disconcerting. Later, he has to deal with his tail being shot off, and the apparent comic highlight of the film, Outwit a Rabbit Dog. This is not a rat. <laughs> this is not a dog with a face full of whipped cream, mistaken for rabies, but one who is actually rabid. Animal amputation and rabies seem odd topics for a children's film. Hey, they talk about rabies and over the hedge. Maybe he doesn't actually have rabies. And it is whipped cream on the face of a squirrel. And it, but like... <laughs> I just want to say like, this, like they were like, no, this one actually has rabies. Like, it's actually. Not a children, it's not a children's film. It's, it's not a real dog. It doesn't it's have actual film. rabies. That's the thing. Like, it's here's the thing, too. Like, who, okay. Don't take your kid to see it. Just because you're like, this isn't appropriate for kids doesn't mean it's a bad movie in any way. That's a you problem. That's not a me problem. There's a lot of kids' movies that when you're adult, an adult seeing things happen, you're like, huh, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. When you're a kid, you don't notice. But also, again, I'll point out that sure, this movie was rated PG. And yes, I understand that that could lead a parent to bringing a child into the movie. It was allowed to be rated PG. That's the thing. It's not so bad where it's not PG-13. And also, people forget what PG stands for. Parental guidance. Guidance. Mm -hmm. That could mean anything. You could not drop a, to a toddler off in there, okay? And you shouldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not for, like, that's the whole thing. Parental guidance. Mm -hmm. The MPAA allowed them to include these things and still rate it PG. So maybe you're sensitive. So therefore, shut the fuck up or join the MPAA. Yeah, there you go. Finally, there's the general nature of the characters who whine and lie and cajole since they are, after all, after all, characters in a Wes Anderson movie. This is the director who shoulders the blames for boosting the careers of performers like Jason Schwartzman and Owen Wilson, both of whom provide voices here. Uh, to, those, to those of us immune to Anderson's films, that's indictment enough. Those who profess to like his films may find the same charms in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Let's hope the, the cure comes soon. I can be on board with some hipster hatred, okay? I understand mm. sometimes it's annoying. Like, there's nothing inherently, like, it's not, like, pushing annoyingness as much as some other hipster things. Yeah. Wes Anderson's just, like, yeah, fun time. At first, it sounds like they hate his movies. They hate the actors. It sounds like he does not like Jason Schwartzman or Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah I just, this just is a person who keeps watching Wes Anderson movies when they clearly don't like Wes Anderson at all. So they should probably just stop. Like, you didn't bring up any points that are anything other than just stating what happens in the movie and saying you don't like them, which, yeah, that's fine. It's a review. It's your review. You wrote it. But you're not adding any substance to it. You're just going, I personally didn't like it. Icky, icky, icky. If you like Wes Anderson, go to the hospital. <laughs> you didn't even give this movie a chance. No. Why'd you watch it? That's the thing. It's like, why'd you watch it? You knew you were going to hate it. You were set up to hate this movie. So it's like, yeah. I 
who gives a shit then? Like, sh- I'm not going to sit around and say that every Wes, there's not a single pretentious Wes Anderson fan. Because yeah. there are. Mm-hmm. Sure. That is, I don't think that has anything to do with him. He just does something stylized. His movies are pretty, like, general. Like, you could, like, anybody could watch it and enjoy it, I think. Yeah. It's just, I think it, maybe some of the fans are pretentious. Maybe that's mm-hmm. something. Maybe some of the fans are annoying. Maybe you don't like the humor. But, like... shut up a little and just to hate a movie because it's about a dysfunctional family dude that's so many movies out there do you just hate all that too like that's Mm -hmm. not a valid reason to hate something that's just what the movie's about yeah and this is like the least dysfunctional of the least of what he makes yeah the families that he writes like you listed the royal tenenbaums it doesn't get much more dysfunctional than that (laughs) yeah no kidding there's some weird shit happening in there Write a write a review on that. Talk about yeah. those real issues that are in that yeah. movie. Right. Oh, so Rushmore I never saw. Mm-hmm. I heard it's creepy though, because it's about this guy who's just like kind of like stalking his teacher, essentially. I guess in the quirky Wes Anderson way, but it is what it is. It, it's him stalking his teacher. Uh, Austin doesn't like it at all. He's like, if there's one movie uh, I hate of Wes Anderson, it's that one. I never. I always forget about it because no one ever talks about it. Probably, probably for that reason. <laughs> they were like, Ugh. yeah. It's kind of creepy. And then I, I don't like Royal Tenenbaums. I liked it when I was like 14 and then right. I thought about it for longer and I was like, that's weird. And there's a lot of suicidey things that are... There's a lot, a lot of things not to like about that movie. I just also, I don't like any of the characters, to be honest. I never got attached to any of them. That one's pretentious. That that one is pretentious. It is. It's, it's mostly just for the looks. Anyone who mentions it, it's mostly just for the looks. I don't think there's actually good characters in that movie. Did I dress up as Margot one Halloween when I was like 17 years old? Sure. It's fine. It was a cute costume. <laughs> it's a good costume. It's a great costume. But yeah, like Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that's a very pretentious movie. It's a bit pretentious one to like. Bottle Rocket, like his first feature. That's a good one. That is not a pretentious movie at all. It's just a goofy little movie. It is really funny. Like that yeah. whole high scene is hilarious. I love it. And the soundtrack I... to that movie is so good. I love, I, I like that movie. We should do that one next or in the future. Yeah. I take back some of the things I say, I said about him, but like, it, it just seems like it, he decided he hated Wes Anderson movies. And was just gonna hate on this one just just because. Yeah. And I guess this is before like, because the Grand Budapest, I think was his, was one that, that was like, big one. A, a lot of people could get into. If you don't like Wes Anderson, but you like one of his movies, it's probably Grand Budapest, you know? Yeah. If there's one to like, it's probably that one. It makes sense to have this mentality towards him, but a lot more people hadn't after mm-hmm. Grand Budapest than before because they were like I used to like him but he sold out and I I do think that's like one of his best ones it's so beautiful it's so, it's so gorgeous <laughs> it's so beautiful you tell me you don't love those pinks and blues and the story too is just I cry if there's one Wes Anderson movie I cry to it's that one that one makes me sob gonna move on yeah those are the ones i wanted to talk about because the only one i really truly don't like is royal tenenbaums you just haven't seen rushmore i just haven't seen rushmore but i've heard things about it and i don't know if i would watch it yeah probably not Uh, this is written by maddie lucas from thefrontrow.net 
She wrote this back in 2009. For the better part of a decade, Wes Anderson has seemed like a filmmaker boxed in by his own style. After directing what many consider to be his masterpiece, The Royal Tenenbaums in 2001, each successive film, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzo and The Darjeeling Limited, has felt more and more sanitized and stiffly designed. For someone who has instantly recognizable style, has so informed and distinguished his work, bringing out while still remaining true to one's own voice can be a difficult process. It's interesting then that Anderson's latest film, a stop-motion animated adaptation of Roald Dahl's book of the same name, would be the film that finally broke him out of his stylistic rut. With the new medium, Anderson has forced himself to branch out, yielding both a natural progression and extension of his almost neurotically sanitized aesthetic. All of Anderson's films share a similar deadpan, almost melancholic humor, combined with a meticulously composed mise-en-scene, here presented with a medium that is completely under his control, where even the actors can be manipulated to meet his exact vision. Anderson has found the perfect outlet for his creative needs. Like many of Anderson's films, Fant Fantastic Mr. Fox is essentially a family drama dressed up as an exotic adventure. It's sort of an existential crisis, especially for Mr. Fox's awkward and lonely young son, Ash, who is dealing with a major inferior inferiority complex with his well-rounded and popular cousin, Christopherson. Desperate for his father's approval, Ash finds life confusing and just wants to be a normal athletic kid. That relationship, not unlike that of Owen Wilson and Bill Murray in The Life Aquatic, is what makes the backbone of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and for all its wry, often arc humor, the familial conflict and bonding of the Fox family provides the audience with something to, to connect to. Anderson's humor, while exceedingly clever, can often be an insular and distancing for those who are not in the tune to his particular filmmaking frequency. Here, however, it is a nearly perfect melding of filmmaker and material, and it may be his most warm and inviting film yet. I think that's the color palette. I think it the is world. the color palette. <laughs> <laughs> I hesitate to call Fantastic Mr. Fox a maturation of Anderson's style, but he already reached that in The Royal Tenenbaums, but his new medium seems to have awoken a fresh creative energy in him. By working in a medium that allows him to total him total visual and aesthetic control, Anderson, oddly enough, seems to be relaxed, and the artificiality of his style seems less pronounced. Fantastic Mr. Fox feels free of the consciousness that seems to have played his last few films. The screenplay by Anderson and Noah Baumbach is his wittiest since Tenenbaums, and combined with the Anderson's sharp visual eyes and the sense of timing, make Mr. Fox an incredibly funny viewing experience. It has also opened up a fresh and creative avenue for composer Alexander Desplat, who you were talking about earlier, <laughs> he is on, who is on something of a roll this year after composing excellent scores for Cherry, Coco Before Chanel, Julie and Julia, The Twilight Saga New Moon. <laughs> 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 and a prophet. He didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> and a prophet this year. His folksy melodies, along with Anderson's typical collection of eclectic songs, including everything from the Ballad of Davy Crockett to Boral Ives to the Rolling Stones to the Bobby Fuller Fours, Letter Dance, and to the film's singular atmosphere. Overall, Fantastic Mr. Fox is Anderson's least sanitized and most original working years. Its expansion of his stylistic tendencies is both refreshing and entertaining. And what has been a banner for year, uh, year for animation, Anderson's work stands among the very best. It's so weird to hear Tenenbaums talked about as like his best work. And it's not. <laughs> it's so not. But I think like... At the time, probably. At the time, yeah. Because mm -hmm. this is before Grand Budapest, so... Yeah, this is before no Grand Budapest. what was coming. <laughs> this is before, um, what's it called? The Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. But like, it's just it's just weird to hear, hear it talked about that way because I, I think after the other those other ones came out, I was like, I, I'm losing my respect for Tenenbaums. Mm -hmm. But 
I agree that like this is definitely the most to- like toned down, I guess, mm-hmm. but like easier to get into version of his movies. And I understand why prior to his more popular movies coming out that people would be put off by the style of his movies. Like they were saying, he is kind of forming more of what his style is in a more like a way that's attainable for like broader audiences or whatever. And if I were to start somebody with a Wes Anderson movie, I think this would be a good one to start at because it it is a better place to start than fucking... Bobs, but I honestly could start someone with Bottle Rocket. Honestly. That is a fun movie. That is a good movie. That's a really fun movie. And also a good ease because he doesn't have this full Wes Aronson in that movie. Yeah. And I will say too, in this one, I love how they mention it because of its medium. He has full control visually, like exactly yeah. what he wants visually to be there. Yeah. And I think he was able to like have the backing financially too, mm-hmm. as, like after this and going forward to be able to have more control over the way his movies looked visually. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the reason I keep connecting this movie so much with Bottle Rocket is because it is not like, because Royal Tenenbaums has some dark shit happen in it and it has some heavy topics and it is like a lot (laughs) it's like as quirky as like all the little things are it's a heavy movie and the darjeeling limited it's surrounded by a death Mm -hmm. like that's a heavy topic as well yeah and dysfunctional family as well too yeah yeah this and bottle rocket just feel a lot lower stakes and i think like it's easier for somebody to wrap their head around his comedic style whenever the stakes are a lot lower Mm -hmm. it's an animated movie you're not gonna question the goofy like comedy interspliced with like darker themes you know like it's hard to it's it's not everybody is at that level with his work you know yeah does that make sense it makes sense i will say like not that i disagree with what you're saying or what she's saying in here either like i to be honest i could not tell you when we're talking about west erinson's style I can see a clear difference between Ball Rocket and the rest of his movies. But to me, after Ball Rocket, Wes Anderson's Wes Anderson. So I don't have a lot to say with like how much I see a difference, really, other than the obvious. Like the just the goofiness is really what like t- you could show anybody this movie. Or you could show anybody Bottle Rocket. You could not show just anybody Royal Tenenbaums. No. Or Life Aquatic, I don't think. Yeah. Making it talking animals is an easier way for him to like do that with his comedy than (laughs) fucking royal (laughs) tenenbaums yeah definitely i forget how fucking bloody royal tenenbaums gets also we haven't mentioned the brother sister thing yeah that was the main thing i was talking about (laughs) earlier oh i was talking about well that one scene Mm mm-hmm I was just talking about the the fucking adopted children in her in her dating. <laughs> the Collins over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's way shakier. Way more like uh. <laughs> Exactly. That movie is just there's so many off putting things in that movie. Yeah, I think it, and that's why it's weird that it to me that it just keeps getting called its masterpiece. Like I think it definitely like defined his abilities as a filmmaker yeah and it was very stylized like it you know but like (laughs) just just wait till he gets money guys yeah 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 no kidding wait till grand budapest it's gonna blow your minds or 
Samurai's Kingdom at the very least. Moonrise Kingdom was very good. I wouldn't say that's mm-hmm. one of my favorites, though. I do I, love... Th- I mean, I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. It's the first one I watched. That's the first one of oh, his I watched. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I agree with everything they're saying. Yeah, I do too. You want me to move on to audience reviews? Yeah. 10 out of 10 one. Great movie, not just for kids. Oh, I was expecting just not for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I misread that. I was like, not just for kids. So they were like, hey, it's not just for kids. The beginning of the movie is simple and a bit off-putting, but if you s- sit back and enjoy enjoy it as a work of art and not a testament to real life, you will love it. It is beautifully and straightly directed by Wes Anderson and is meaningful not just for kids, but for adults too. The dynamite cast in another re- is another reason to watch this. This is relatively faithful to the book, and if you love Roald Dahl, you will love this movie. If you love Wes Anderson, you will love this movie. If you love animation, you will love this movie. If you love movies, you will love this movie. <laughs> it's that provoking and fun for everybody, and I highly recommend it. Don't look for it to be a testament to real life. Mm-hmm. They're fucking foxes. What? Like, do you really have to step back that far to go no. like, oh, these aren't real people? Like, yeah, look at them. <laughs> what? <laughs> they're, they're so fucked up looking. What do you mean? Wait, these are the suspension of disbelief people where I'm just like... I'm like, <laughs> really? You gotta tell yourself that? Also, it's like, yeah, I know they're not real and I am able to not see reality this, but I'm able to take a story and apply it to real life. You know, I can sit there and enjoy the story. Take the themes. Do they have to be literal people for you to like or enjoy a movie or understand a movie? Yeah. But anyway, I, I agree with everything they're saying. It's just like, did you really have to pull yourself out of it to enjoy it? It's a claymation movie about taxidermy foxes. We all know they're not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just gotta look at it. <laughs> kind of just appreciate what it is, you know? He literally said, oh, just appreciate what it is. It's like, yeah, it's a movie. That's what you no- normally have to do for a movie. <laughs> Enjoy it as a work of art. <laughs> it's a movie. What is that? What else is it? Did you know the Titanic actually happened? <laughs> that one you have to put reality in. <laughs> yeah. You have to go, how accurate is this? How accurate is this? I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it's pretty accurate. All right, this next one is four and a half stars. You know how there are some movies that are clearly too good to be on Disney+, Plus, but they somehow are anyway. Apparently they own the rights to it now, but it's like, you specifically bought that because you know how good it is. It's because they have a partnership with Hulu and HBO, and it's on all three. Really? Yeah. It's so confusing. HBO probably, well, Disney owns 20, 20th Century Fox. That's why they have the rights to it. Oh, that makes sense. Wait, oh, because they recently bought, yeah, they bought, they bought yeah, everything. Yeah, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, they have like the fucking Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This next one, I don't understand this one, but I thought I'd include it. Four stars. This movie gives off major Breaking Bad vibes. C- crime? Uh- crime? Hi. It- Question mark? There's no meth in this movie. There's no meth. There's no making anything illegal. It's just stealing. You're confusing this movie with Rango. Rango has Breaking Bad vibes. Yes. I, nothing about this movie reminds me of Breaking Bad. There's not a single cactus in that movie. There's not a single cactus. There's not a, there's no characters where it reminds me of. I don't get it. A crime dad? That's it. Yeah, crime dad going behind the family. It kind of backfires on the family. But that's very, I don't know. That's loosely that. Loosely that. What is this? The Sopranos too? Like, yeah. I don't know what that show's about. I... Crime. <laughs> crime dad. Crime, crime dad. dad. <laughs> crime dad. All right. This next one. Oh, <sighs> so this was the first. This was the first negative one. And I just wanted to set the precedent for how stupid everyone's going to sound after this one. <laughs> there was two of these. Fantastic. So this one says it's one star. Fantastic Mr. Fuck. And there's another one that said Fantastic Mr. And it said Cox. I'm like, mm. so that's a precedent. 
How does one exactly suck a fuck, Elizabeth? <laughs> um, this next one. This next one's a little paragraph. Uh, this is what I expect hipster parents to show to their offspring. Burn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's shallow and meaningless. Really, nothing else. Don't get me wrong. I like pure entertainment for entertainment purposes only, but this has some very old fable animal tropes and lives solely on putting an Instagram hipster filter on a plot that is essentially fox steals chickens. Looney Tunes cartoons were more progressive and creative. No, they were not. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, just think about all the crazy things those animals and their animators did. This film, on the other hand, is absolutely worthless. Let's take the word progressive out of that sentence. That is... This person must be old. This gives um anyone who drinks pumpkin spice latte should die. That gives it gives a little bit of that energy, just a little bit. It gives a I little. Watch my dad die, Raphael. <laughs> Cow <Cow-a> boomer. <laughs> Cow boomer. Anyone who drinks pumpkin spice latte should die. Cow boomer. <laughs> That's what this gives a little. I don't know why it, it does. Just does. You know? It's it's lame. It's lame to still be hating hipsters in 2019. It is a little, yeah. I'm not gonna lie and say that I don't agree with the first sentence of this at all. This is what hipster parents would show their offspring. I, I don't know. I don't think that this is a bad version of entertainment for entertainment's sake, where it's just low stakes. There's not a whole lot of substance, but there there is. Like there's mm-hmm. morals and themes and stuff. Like I think it has a, a lot more to offer. I feel like this person didn't watch it. They've just seen stills that anno- an annoying hipster they know has posted a bunch. It's kind of like I hate Wes Anderson. I'm gonna hate Wes Anderson. I'm not gonna give it a chance. You know? Yeah. It's the, I think it's more so I hate Wes Anderson fans. So I hate, I don't want to give his work a chance. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. This next one's one star. Everyone laughs at me when I tell them this is the movie I was, I'm most scared of. And I am laughing at you because th- there are movie, more movies to be scared of. I get it. It's creepy, but I don't know. I never, I never had a problem with how it looked. You ever slept in a room with taxidermy on the wall? No. <laughs> okay. Then keep your opinions to yourself because it's scary. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I don't know if this person has, but like taxidermy looking things freak me out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have like nightmares tonight over it. It doesn't. F- it's not that level. It's not like that scary. But if I watched it as a kid, this would be like a, this is scary. <laughs> this is going to scar me for the rest of my life. <laughs> But so did Coraline, and here we are. Here you are, yeah. I get it to a certain extent, but you're being dramatic. You're being a little, yeah, it's a little dramatic. Yeah. This next one is one star. I started with the food magnates and was very displeased with the ending. Foxes are wild animals and should be put down. What the fuck? They do. They are pests when it comes to like farmers and stuff. I understand, but let's not side with the British. (laughs) We should be putting them down. They're only past because we've taken away where they live. Yeah, don't side with the British capitalists. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, don't side with the. the, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. They used to do the thing, the rich British people do the hunt where they go and hunt foxes. Oh, yeah, they just like watch them get torn apart. Yeah. Yeah, by their hounds. That makes sense that they were made British. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The natural (laughs) enemy of a fox is a British (laughs) person. All right, this next one's a one star. Not fun, not cool, not silly, not enjoyable. None of the characters are likable. Whenever Mr. Fox whistles and clicks his tongue, I get, I get violent. I didn't like that, I'll be honest. I like it. It's funny. I don't like the click sound. <laughs> yeah. You don't like it? No, it's just like one of those mouth sounds that I'm like, oh, I don't like that. If I, you catch me in a bad mood, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like scraping a fork on a plate, you know? Mm. I, didn't. Mm. 
I get that. He did it a lot, okay? He did do it a lot, yeah, definitely. But I don't agree with the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. One star. It was a little too silly and illogical. I get that those attributes are part of its charm, but I can't stand movies with protagonists, endearing while by nature as they may be, that make stupid decisions. Do you not like a story? <laughs> I could get that to an extent. That's why I don't like Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. That's beyond stupid decision, though, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I like a movie like um, Oh Brother Art Thou. They're not making good decisions no. the whole movie. <laughs> they aren't. That's the thing. It's like, what do you mean you're like protagonists who make stupid decisions? That's so many movies where, you know. So many great TV shows. Yeah, that's a plot. You know, it's like, also, it's a very human thing to do. We all make stupid decisions at some point or another. Mm -hmm. Five stars. How does a mayor survive a line like, I love you? but I never should have married you. True. She drops that line, and then they never go back to discuss it. And it is like... It's because she's pregnant. Oh, that's why. That's why. Because I don't think she was entirely sold on him to begin with. Yeah. She told him she was pregnant the first time. Yeah. Ooh, never thought of it that way. He gets his act together for a little bit, and then his kid's old enough to take care of himself. And he has like a midlife crisis. Yeah, now he can go back to... He wants to go back to how things were. And then she's pregnant again, so they can be like, okay, I'll be good again. Ooh. Well, as much as he can be, because now they're raiding the grocery store that's owned by all them, and it's just going to keep going. It's a little bit safer of a way for them to get food, though, than going to a, the farm. True. But yeah, like, that's something that I, I noticed. I was like, oh, I don't think you were really set on staying with him forever forever until he got his act together because you were pregnant dang i never thought of it that hard but i always did think of that line because it is a heavy heavy line it hurts a marriage shouldn't survive that yeah because it it's something you've always thought these foxes don't have therapy they don't they don't they have a lawyer but no therapist <laughs> they might they have lawyers yeah they, they might have a marriage counselor out they there that's they like might a, they uh, might a cardinal or something. I don't know. <laughs> no wonder Ash is the way he is. No kidding. <laughs> Dang. Give me that child trauma. Yeah. I'm glad you appreciate that line as well. Yeah. You had some like good insight on it too. So that's staying married for the kids if I've ever seen it. Yeah. That's a bummer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a dysfunctional family. Yeah. I like this one. This is like one of my favorite lines from the movie. Five stars. That's just weak songwriting. You wrote a bad song, Petey. This feels like something that you would say something along these lines about a movie that somebody's like, but it's just this. And you're like, no, that's just weak filmmaking. That's a bad, that's a bad movie, Petey. <laughs> you wrote a bad movie. You wrote a bad movie. I love that scene in the RV where he's like tearing it up. That actually has to be one. Say what you will about the animation, whether you like it or not. That is a funny scene and that's mm -hmm. such a you know when somebody just looks funny because it's animated mm -hmm. in a certain way like family guy does it all the time where peter peter's yeah. always like <laughs> the way they fall it's just comically visually funny <laughs> it's like when south park characters are laying down it is the funniest thing to me <laughs> just it kills me every time it, it, there's nothing funny about it they're just laying down yeah exactly it's like when you see Phineas or Phineas and Ferb, like when he faces forward. Oh, from the forward. Yes, from the forward. You always see him from the side, but when you see him forward, that shit's so funny. That's the beauty of animation. You have full control over like a visual gag. And how it looks. Mm -hmm. Five stars. What's your favorite heist movie starring George Clooney? This is mine. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. I've never seen a single Ocean's movie. I don't think I have either, but I would also say this is my favorite heist movie with George Clooney. <laughs> I would say that too. it's the only one I've seen. So. <laughs> 
five stars. Oh, I love this. Ash, I know what it's like to feel a bunch of fucking hand emojis going everywhere. Different. <laughs> That's how I talk sometimes, where I'm like, I don't know what to say, so I'm like... <laughs> I'm weird, okay? Have you ever seen me without this fucking hat? <laughs> but, you know, good for him that, like, he doesn't have to feel weird about being weird. Yeah. That's, like, a, a functional part of their family. They're like, we're all weird. It's okay. Everybody's weird. It's actually encouraged, almost. Like, his mom's mm -hmm. like, you are weird, and that's okay. Like... Quit, yeah. quit trying to put, your, put yourself in a box that you yeah. just can't fit in. You're not good at sports. You're not good at sports. Stop with that. Stop trying to be your father. Stop being trying to be, please. <laughs> also, once that kid is old enough to take care of himself, he doesn't give him the light of day because he doesn't do exactly what he wants him to. He's a bad dad, like you said in the beginning. Like He he's is a not terrible a terrible father. He's not a good dad. He really isn't. He loses his nephew. He loses his nephew. Also, he's taking his young nephew on these heist missions that are like not safe for children to be on whatsoever so not even his siblings kid no no it's his wife's siblings kid and he's lying to her about it yeah exactly last review it's a 10 out of 10 from indb among the best of wes anderson's and kids movies in general this was in 2020 so this is after majority of what he's already done should have won the two nominated oscars that year amazing storytelling and stop motion cinematography soundtrack delightful dialogue throughout choreography and comedy i love that they say cuss instead of using any profanity a grand good family fit flick with heists and wonderful characters where they have to avoid formidable foes or defeat them in some parts Wes Anderson's films are so legendary they should be more appreciated and he deserves more awards I agree yeah I mean it wouldn't be a f it wouldn't be a family movie if they had profanity in it right um I just keep thinking about that I'm like I don't know I think it would have been hard that like there's a lot of arts not a lot but there's a good amount of artsy kids movies from when we were growing up that like you watch them and you're like this is borderline not a children's movie yeah all the ones I like basically <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it just was probably really hard to actually market it for adults. So you you got to fit into the parameters of PG. Yeah. There aren't a lot of box office animated movies that aren't already tied to a franchise that are for adults. I can only think of like Sausage Party. <laughs> oh, God. I will say for this one, it wasn't a huge financial hit. Yeah. I don't think it did bad, but it was like generally liked by the audiences and it actually stayed in theaters for up until like the holiday season too. People liked it. The right audience came to see it at some point, you know? Yeah. While they did not make a lot of money, they probably would have made even less if they had it as like PG-13 yep. or R. It would have absolutely excluded it from so, so much. Yeah. All right. If you had to rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put it? Mm, My feelings won't be hurt, if that matters. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> not with this. Not with this one. I would say like a s 6. Ooh. Okay. It's a little low. It's a little lower than I thought it was going to be. If I watched it at 14, it'd be higher. But... <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I'm 24 years old. Well, it's, anyway. like watch... it's like me watching Jurassic Park for the first time as a 22-year-old. Yeah. Okay, it's I, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but you don't like you don't like Moonrise Kingdom as much as I like it. That's true. That's true. Fair's fair. Fair's fair. <laughs> Let me shit on your movie. <laughs> I can't wait till we do Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> I'm going to remember this. <laughs> no. Which, what kind of bird are you? <laughs> okay. That's a really good line in a movie. I do love that. Um, I, you know, I, it might be lower if I wasn't giving it props for claymation and the work and effort that put it in. You know, if they, if they weren't walking around go, we meant to do that. <laughs> 
That's fair. I will say it was supposed to be a B movie. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll say like six and a half. I think it, it deserves a little more credit than that. But like, I think it though. In, in my to my citizen Kane to your citizen Kane, my core line, it is a six and a half. <laughs> your core line, yes. <laughs> And fair, especially that yeah. your Citizen Kane is Coraline. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm going to go with an eight. This is a very good comfort movie for me. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? No. Okay. If you have any other fall movies you want to suggest to us, um, if we don't get to them this year, we'll get to them next, next year, year, obviously. But you can DM us on our Instagram at Easy Bake Takes. We have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. You can check out our website, easybaketakespodcast.com, where we post our episodes and review overviews, as well as our transcripts of our episodes. We also have a Letterboxd account where you can follow us. And don't forget to share us with a friend, follow us wherever you listen, and leave a review where, if you can, it really helps us out a lot. And thank you so much for listening. My name's Kat. I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.